Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 110. Well met, he said. Then he sat back, apparently enjoying the music. The dance macabre came to a tempestuous and discordant end. That all the artificial instruments were ever so slightly out of tune added to the otherworldliness of the place. A new piece began. How was your bank robbery? asked Chernabog. It went well? He stood, reluctant to leave the Mikado, and its thundering, jangling music. Slick as a snake in a barrel of butter, said Wednesday. I get a pension from the slaughterhouse, said Chernabog. I do not ask for more. It won't last forever, said Wednesday. Nothing does. More corridors, more musical machines. Shadow became aware that they were not following the path through the rooms intended for tourists, but seemed to be following a different route of Wednesday's own devising. They were going down a slope, and Shadow, confused, wondered if they had already been that way. Chernabog grasped Shadow's arm. Quickly, come here, he said, pulling him over to a large glass box by a wall. It contained a diorama of a tramp asleep in a churchyard in front of a church door. The Drunkard's Dream, said the label, which explained that it was a 19th century penny-in-the-slot machine, originally from an English railway station. The coin slot had been modified to take the brass house-on-the-rock coins. Put in the money, said Chernabog. Why, asked Shadow. You must see. I show you. Shadow inserted his coin. The drunk in the graveyard raised his bottle to his lips. One of the gravestones flipped over, revealing a grasping corpse. A headstone turned around, flowers replaced by the grinning skull. A wraith appeared on the right of the church, while on the left of the church something with a half-glimpsed, pointed, unsettlingly bird-like face, a pale Boschian nightmare, glided smoothly from a headstone into the shadows and was gone. Then the church door opened. A priest came out, and the ghosts, haunts, and corpses vanished, and only the priest and the drunk were left alone in the graveyard. The priest looked down at the drunk disdainfully and backed through the open door, which closed behind him, leaving the drunk on his own. And that's our page. Slick as a snake and a barrel of butter is quite an expression. It sounds more southern to my ears, but I'm not really 100% certain. The few places that I could find a reference to it online don't really give me a whole lot of faith that Gaiman didn't just invent it whole cloth, but these kinds of sayings are popular in different parts of the country, and as a guy who's traveled around quite a bit, perhaps he heard it and made a note of it, and it doesn't come from a specific book of quotations or anything like that. An odd touch here that Chernabog claims not to ask for anything more than his pension when he and Wednesday were arguing over nothing versus never nothing a couple of pages back, eh, maybe more like 20 pages back. Chernabog was certainly referring more to worship and faith and belief, but it's still interesting that they've switched sides on the debate, or at least seem to not quite be in the same positions they were before. Wednesday takes a circuitous route through the house, and Shadow starts to feel lost, and it seems also a bit disoriented. This not-for-tourist route takes them past another room of coin-operated treasures, including one labeled The Drunkard's Dream. The Drunkard's Dream is a short story by Irish author Joseph Sheridan Lafon. I skimmed the work, and it reads similar to Poe and other horror writers of the time. Um... It was published as part of his collected short stories called The Purcell Papers in 1880, but was first published in 1838, purported to be the fictional papers of a Catholic priest named Father Purcell. The story in question deals first and foremost with dreams and the nature of reality. It's 
pretty thinly veiled morality tale about a man who dies and then comes back to life having seen visions of hell beyond death, the hell that awaits him if he doesn't desperately seek repentance for his previous sinful life. The man is repentant and begins to be more successful in his life, but of course one drink sends him down a staircase, a literal staircase, whereupon he breaks his neck and dies. Subtle. It's also hinted at that there's some kind of demon or other creature kind of egging him on a bit to make him want to turn to drink again. But once again, it's not a subtle story by any means. The mentions, though, of the dreams and nightmares and visions of hell are actually fairly common in Gaiman's works. But even in this book in general, we do get a lot of dreams, nightmares, and various ways we question reality. And pretty shortly, Shadow himself is going to be questioning what is real and what isn't. So I don't know if this is a tiny hat tip to that. I don't know if it's a little bit of foreshadowing. I don't know if Gaiman even knows the short story, although it does seem to be sort of up his alley, uh, what with Gaiman's love of early horror stories by people like Poe and uh, Rudyard Kipling. So the story mentions the the shadow-like creature glimpsed in the room before the man falls down the stairs to his death, and then there's the reflection of this in the bird-like face in the graveyard. It's described on the page as Boschian, which is a nod to Hieronymus Bosch, a Dutch painter famed for his fantastic art style with deep religious tones. I don't know that they would be undertones because they're not subtle either, although sometimes you have to wonder what you're looking at. There's Maybe they're... I don't even know if they're overtones. Um, Anyhow, I'm aware of his work because he influenced Peter Bruegel, and I'm not an art major, but Peter Bruegel was my obsession when I was a wannabe goth kid in 15 through 18 years. The bird-like mention, though, is a good reference for Bosch because a lot of his work seems to contain these odd-looking creatures that are maybe birds, possibly birds, Anyhow, I I would recommend you look up a few pieces of his work online to get a good idea of what Neil is referencing here. Bosch actually worked from the mid-1400s to possibly the late 1400s until his death in 1516. There's also a number of debates over the work attributed to him as he was widely copied and imitated in his time, even before he died. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as the theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.